welcome to episode 75 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to wait for your number to be called at the DMV. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games with boring themes. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like 18 Mechs and Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Then, we discuss our top five games that have boring themes that we happen to love anyway. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word travel. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. The Golden Geek Awards are going on right now at BGG, and we got nominated for Best Podcast, which is really exciting. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who voted for us. And then they're still voting for your actual favorites of those um, 10 or so that got nominated. I forget how many there are. But yeah, the voting isn't until April 1st. So if you still like us, um, (laughs) then I guess vote for us. Thank you. So yeah, like users got to nominate podcasts and we are one of the nominees now based on user submissions. So we haven't won yet. And I don't like begging for votes. That's not a (laughs) thing that I'd like to do. This is the second year in a row that we've been nominated and... I don't know why, Ambie, but I kind of want it this year. Like, I <laughs> you just, didn't want it at all last year. <laughs> I really, truly, last year, I honestly thought we had zero chance of winning. Mm-hmm. I still am super excited that we were nominated last year, and I'm very proud of that, and I'm very appreciative of that. But I kind of feel like this year we might have a chance. And I don't know, maybe it's false hope, but I, I am still very excited that we're nominated, and mm-hmm. I am so appreciative that people submitted us for the nominations but if you all do want to see us win you have to go vote so head over to (laughs) board game geek there's a link right on the front page of boardgamegeek.com that'll take you to the voting the voting process is a little bit weird you don't actually just like click on a thing to vote for it you have to rank things and Mm -hmm. a one is the highest ranking that you can give a thing and a 10 is the lowest so If you would like to see us win, obviously a one rating would be great, but, you know, (laughs) feel free to look at the other nominees as well. Um, There's some other shows from the Dice Tower Network, um, which we are a part of, and some other shows that I'm sure a lot of you probably listen to. So, yeah, vote for us, please, maybe. Also going on on Board Game Geek right now is the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund. Technically, I think this is actually more important than the Board Game Geek Awards. Um, (laughs) So the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund is a charity that provides assistance to gamers in their time of need. Uh, It was started by Tom Vassal of the Dice Tower in memory of his son, Jack, who passed away just a few months after he was born. And so now there is an auction going on on Board Game Geek where a ton of people have submitted items that you can bid on all of the money goes to the memorial fund and then you potentially get a cool item so obviously things are going for above their actual value because it's for charity but there's honestly some really cool stuff in the auction like some out of print games some games that are hard to get things from designers i think there's one publisher that will actually design a game for you if you bid on their listing I, i want i can't remember the name now offhand i think it's strawberry studios or something Like, they'll literally design a game for you and then publish it or something. I don't know. (laughs) But go check that out as well. Very cool. And it's for a wonderful cause. Make sure you don't miss that. That goes until April 6th. So you have a little bit of time to go check that out. And last announcement. uh, Next week, I will be at Bay Area Tabletop Con from April 5th through 7th. This is in the Bay Area in Berlin Game. And... 
Uh, I will be hoping to play a lot of games with people. It's an open gaming board game convention, a small one for like 100 people. And we'll just have lots of table space and playing a lot of games. So if you're in the Bay Area and want to go to an open gaming convention, you can check out Bay Area Table Con, also known as BatCon. <laughs> I like the name. I'm sad that I'm not going to be there. I wish, like, I just have too much stuff going on in my <laughs> life right now. But I really, I'm sad that I'm missing it. Mm-hmm. Last week, I got to play 18 Mechs, which is an 18xx game set in Mexico. It was published in 2005, designed by Mark Derrick, and published by Deep Thought Games. So I played a five-player game. I'm not going to go over like all the rules of it. I'll just go over kind of a session report. But in 18 Mechs, there's a national railway, and there's some minor railroads that get merged into the major ones, and then the ma- some one major one gets to get merged into the national one, which is kind of exciting. And I, we played a five-player game, and I started out with not enough money to float a, a company, so I, I wasn't doing much for the first few rounds, but it was still interesting because I was watching everyone else do their stuff, and I was having fun with that. And then when the National Railroad got out, which only happens in the middle of the game, I got 50% of that, and I had the presidency of it, and then I was able to make it really good, which was exciting. So I actually had... At the end of the game, I had two trains, two permanent trains in the National Railroad, and it was getting 74 or $740 per route. And uh, one of my friends also got, like, his company had two trains and he was getting 76, which is a lot. Uh, but he didn't get that until the last turn. So, but, so my National Railroad was doing really well and I got, was getting a lot of money and I ended up winning which was exciting because I think this is the first time I've won an 18xx game where I started out as an investor and not like not running a company at the beginning because I just bought shares in other people's companies at first for the first uh, two or three rounds, I think, and then didn't get a company until halfway through, but still managed to make that company really awesome. And then I won. So <laughs> that was exciting. Hooray! <laughs> but yeah, oh, a, a cool thing about uh, 18 Mex is there's mail contracts. So each company gets money. If it has a train at the beginning of the turn, it just gets free money, which is really nice for getting new trains because I had like almost enough money for a new train and then got free money for a couple turns and then was able to buy a new one. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, 18 Mex has a really fast train rush. So at the beginning... Each company can only buy one train at a time, which makes it really slow. But then after the four trains are bought, you can buy multiple trains. And then the train rush happens really fast. People keep buying trains. But there's not like a bankruptcy like in other 18xx games I play as much because of the mail contracts where you get extra money. So it's exciting because the game goes really quickly at that point and lots of things change. But then no one is really dying. <laughs> so I, I like that part. So yeah, that's 18 mechs. Okay, I recently got to play a game that I have been desperately wanting to get back to the table since I played it for the first time back in July, and that is Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. So Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea is a game published in 2018 by Gameland Games, designed by Scott Alms, who a lot of you may know for his Tiny Epic game series. This game is a 4X style game, and for those that don't remember what the 4Xs stand for, they stand for Explore, Expand, 
expand, exploit, and exterminate. And what's really cool about this game is there are four end game triggers that relate to each of the four X's specifically. And I'll go back, come back to those in a few minutes. So in this game, players each control a separate faction and all of the factions have unique features, including heroes and abilities that are tied to the heroes themselves and the buildings that the player can build. Uh, on a player's turn, they get to choose what action they want to take. And there are nine possible actions. Four of them are capital actions. And if a player chooses a capital action, all of the other players can simultaneously choose to follow that action and do it as well. So unlike a lot of 4X games where you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting for your turn to come around, players are engaged the whole time in this game. The turns move pretty quick anyway, but just because like you're able to follow other people's actions a lot of the time, it's really neat. You do have to have specific sir, uh, peons in your capital city that to be able to follow people, but it's neat because you most of the time do. Uh, so players travel around the board. There are continents that are set in the ocean. Each player starts on their own continent um, and you wander around and you can discover tokens both on the land and in the sea. And those tokens could have different things that will increase scoring at the end of the game, provide you with resources, or uh, maybe even let you do special abilities in the game. You collect resources, you spend those resources to build buildings, recruit heroes and workers, peons and warriors specifically, and potentially fight with the other players if you so choose. But what's nice is you don't have to, because back to those end game triggers, not all of them are related to fighting. So you can reveal all the tokens on the board. That will trigger the end of the game. If one player recruits all of their peons and warriors from their supply, that will trigger the end of the game. If one player places all of their towers, which are a specific type of building, that will trigger the end. Or if a player destroys another player's capital city, that will trigger the end of the game. So lots of different ways that you can play this game. We did end up triggering it via uh, one player destroying another player's capital city when we <laughs> played it most recently. Luckily, I was not the one who had my capital city destroyed, uh, but I did not win the game. <laughs> so uh, I ended up in second place. I was kind of definitely playing a more passive game and one player had some very strong heroes in an airship that he was flying around and just annihilating people with. <laughs> So he took the warrior route, the exterminate route, as you will, and ended up... So I really like this game a lot. I, I was kind of worried because it had been so long since I played it the first time. I was like, oh, am I going to remember things? But everything seemed really intuitive. It came back to me really quickly. And the game moves pretty quickly. Um, we, My game group still tends to play a little more slowly, I think, than others. Um, for, in a four-player game with teach time, because uh, no one else other than me had played it before, I think we clocked in at around three hours, which isn't actually that bad. Um, the game is about 30 minutes per player on average is what people will say. So since three of the four were new to the game and we had to teach it, I think that's actually not so bad. But yeah, I really, really like this one. As far as 4X games go, I think it is definitely moving up my list and I am toying with the idea of buying it but I just don't know how often I'll be able to get it to the table. Needless to say whenever we do our top 100 lists for uh, the Dice Towers YouTube channel I feel like this one's going to end up on it but I want to play it more. I have I've only played two of the factions now and with the expansions there are 10 total factions so I kind of want to play this one a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just buy it. I don't know. <laughs> 
But yeah, I like this one from a publisher that's us- that's usually publishing very tiny games. This is a very big epic game that comes in a big epic box and I love it. Uh, so that is Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea from Gamelin Games. We recently asked our Twitter followers what they wanted to hear in this week's episode because we were having a hard time picking. And so we put a poll out and we wanted to hear what you all wanted to hear. And no, of no surprise to us, y'all wanted another top five list. So if you are mad that we're doing another top five list, you can blame our Twitter followers. <laughs> but honestly, I like doing lists. So uh, this week we are going to talk about our top five games that we love that have boring themes and we'll kind of like stretch the limits of what that actually (laughs) means a couple of times but yeah so these are all the games on our list are games that we enjoy playing but the theme doesn't speak to us let's say that maybe that's probably a more accurate way of describing it (laughs) for me this was difficult because a lot of the games i like work well with the theme and then after i play it i think the theme's interesting because of that possibly. So I was trying to separate that and just think of the theme by itself. And if that would be boring to me, just thinking of the theme. So I think I got a decent list down. (laughs) (laughs) But also a lot of themes that are traditionally boring for some people are not boring for me because like for games where people say it's spreadsheet the game, I actually like Excel. So... (laughs) That's not boring for me. I mean, no, that makes sense. And like in theory, if there, I don't think this exists, but if there was a game called Etymology the Game, yeah. I think most people would be like, whoa, that sounds awful. And yeah. I would be like, heck yeah, give me the etymology. Yeah. So obviously boring is a subjective yeah. thing like anything else. And I do think that some, the same theme can be boring or exciting depending on how it's implemented too Mm -hmm. so while we're kind of looking at the themes in general i will admit that there are some games that like one game with whatever theme i think the theme is boring and then another game with that same theme i can think is exciting depending on how it's used Mm -hmm. so it's not just that the theme is boring but it's often that the theme is boring and not utilized well Mm -hmm. So what is your number five? My number five is Baseball Highlights 2045. So I don't really like sports as a theme in games. I don't like watching sports and I don't like games with sports usually. But Baseball Highlights 2045 is, it actually has like a twist to the theme. It's about baseball in the future, but it has like robots and cyborgs. So that makes it slightly more interesting, but it's still mostly baseball. But it's implemented really well. And it's a really interesting card game. And Toby really likes baseball. So so it's a fun game. But I still don't like baseball. And this one, it's funny because, like, I've never played this game. So I don't even know if I would like it or not. But the theme is actually what draws me into this game. Because I like baseball and futuristic stuff. So it, it seems like it's completely up my alley. It's been yeah. on my, like, you know, gigantic list of, oh, yeah, I want to try that sometime. Uh, and I just never have. Yeah, you should try it because it, the theme does work well with it. Yeah, it's two-player only, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, two-player. Okay. Yeah, no, I like two-player games, so I should definitely try it out sometime. All right, my number five is Dice Forge. Technically, Dice Forge's theme is interesting, except I've taught this game a bunch of times to a bunch of people, and every single time I go to teach it, 
and I try and remember what the theme is, I can't. No matter what. <laughs> I'm like, it's something with gods and something. And I literally have to go to the rule book. And they have a bunch of flavor text at the beginning of the rule book, but the theme is so not present in the rest of the game that it's boring to me because they're not even using it at all. And I feel like there would be ways to implement a theme more in this game. I love Dice Forge. I love this game a ton. I, I went to Board Game Geek to read what the little like description is. And the little blurb at the beginning of the description is, Heroes, stand ready. The gods are offering a seat in heaven to whichever hero defeats their rivals. And that sounds really interesting. But that has almost nothing to do with the game itself. <laughs> so I love Dice Forge. And the theme, in theory, is interesting, but they don't really use it at all in the game. So that is why Dice Forge is my number five. My number four is Patchwork, which is a unique theme, which makes it stand out. But when I just think about the theme itself, it's boring to me. So Patchwork is a two-player game about making a patchwork quilt. So yeah, that, that's not that interesting to me because I don't like quilting. But it's a fun game with these polyominoes that you're putting into your s square grid. And it's like a two-player abstract game, basically. But the theme is unique and like interesting in the sense of it being a unique board game theme. But by itself, to me, like making a quilt isn't that interesting. <laughs> so patchwork. And this one, I don't know, like I kind of think it's neat because most of the games involving polyominoes are pretty themeless or they're mm -hmm. all based on like Tetris or something else that exists already <laughs> yeah. that's polyomino related. And this is one of the few that the theme like actually kind of makes sense because when you're constructing a patchwork quilt, that is, it would kind of look all pieced together like that. Um, yeah. But I will say I am endlessly frustrated that like every time a thread gets posted on any online forum about board games where somebody's <laughs> like, my wife or girlfriend won't play yeah. games with me. And then like a billion people suggest patchwork. And I'm like, <laughs> but you, and the thing is like, it is a really fun two player game. So if you're looking for a two player game that you could play with your significant other, it's not a bad suggestion, but I just, mm -hmm. it bothers me that it's the go to suggestion. And I think it's because it's, the, I think they're saying it because they think, oh, females will like quilting. And that's not mm -hmm. always the case. There are plenty of really, and I'm not, I'm not saying other two-player games are better than Patchwork. It just, I hate that it's the go-to. It drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah, it gets annoying. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure Baseball Highlights 2045 would probably a really be really good suggestion. But how many times do you think that gets suggested in those threads? Probably never. None. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that was my like soapbox for a moment. <laughs> my number four is St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg is one of the first hobby games that I was introduced to when I got into the hobby back in 2007. And I'll admit, I don't play it as often anymore. Um, in fact, I think I've played, I used to play it a bunch, but I believe I've only played the older edition of the game. And there's a newer edition that has like a new type of cards or something like that, that I, I don't think I've ever played with. But in St. Petersburg, you're building buildings and doing stuff with nobility and there's aristocrats and I, it's so boring. It's so boring theme wise. Like I can't, I don't even remember. And that's one of the reasons why I think I don't think to play it that often, even though it's a game that every time I used to play it, I really enjoyed it. So I think this is one of those games that definitely could have a more interesting theme attached to it and just doesn't. So that's why St. Petersburg is my number four. 
My number three is also about building buildings. It's Lahav. So I don't actually own this game. I've played my friend's copy a lot, but I guess there's no theme in the rulebook mentioned other than it's something about a French port because I was looking up what the theme actually is and I'm not sure. But I, I guess you're trying to develop the town of a French port. The game is actually pretty fun because I like building up buildings and, in games, but like theme-wise, it's kind of bland, I think. But yeah, Lahav, you're gathering resources, building buildings, going to other people's buildings, and converting resources to better resources, which is fun, but possibly a boring theme. <laughs> well, let's keep this boring building resource <laughs> theme going, because my number three is San Juan. Uh, San Juan is another game that I've been playing for quite some time, and yep, you're building buildings, and those buildings make resources, <laughs> and you use those resources to do other things or gain victory points, and yep, real boring. Um, it's funny because San Juan often gets compared to Race for the Galaxy, and I think it's a good display of how boring the theme of San Juan is, that these two games are very similar mechanically, and I like both. But if you showed me both of them, I'm going to choose Race for the Galaxy every single time because the theme is more interesting, even if the mechanics are similar. Admittedly, they are. there are some di factors that differentiate the two. They're not identical games with different themes, but uh, Race for the Galaxy is more compelling because it's a theme that interests me more. So that is why San Juan is my number three. My number two is Trajan, which is... This might be the first one on my list that like is very disconnected from the theme so the game wait what a feld game that's disconnected <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have a theme i'm shocked says the person who was complaining about carpe diem in yeah. the last episode yeah so in trajan there's a lot of different there's like a, the main mechanism is a moncala type mechanism and you're doing a bunch of different stuff and they all work together and it's really fun but the theme is you're in ancient rome you're trying to increase your influence and power in roman life like political influence and trading and military so that's why there's a bunch of different things i guess but yeah to me i don't like political stuff that much or like increasing influence and power that doesn't sound that exciting to me so and, and the game itself doesn't feel like that either so trajan is my number two i really like the game but the theme i don't actually know what the theme is most of the time <laughs> So my number two also has a disconnect, I would say, and that is, there's a lot of reasons for that. And that uh, the game is Ethnos. So it's funny, if you look at the box cover for Ethnos, like if you happen to be by a computer or your mobile device right now, go on BoardGameGeek and look up Ethnos if you're not familiar. <laughs> like the board has these like, epic battles going on between a whole bunch of different types of creatures. And it looks like really cool. And then you open the box and the game board is kind of boring and the pieces are all kind of boring and the gameplay is really interesting. I love it. It's really great. It moves lightning fast. You're, it's literally just an area control game at the end of the day. You don't have these like different factions that are actually battling against one another in any meaningful way at all. But yeah, like it's... I don't know. It feels like it could have been so much more. And I feel like better artwork inside the box or a, a more cohesive theme relating to the artwork or something like even minis instead of these little round pieces. I don't know. Something. It's just not there for me at all. So even though I love playing it, theme wise, Ethnos is a pass for me. And that's why it is my number two. 
Okay, my number one is kind of a cheat. I combined a genre of games here because otherwise it would just make all of my top five. Hold on, <laughs> let's pause for a moment and see if the listeners could take a guess. What 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 genre of games doesn't have super great themes that Ambi would talk about? Hold on, I don't know. I think I could figure this out. Uh, uh, well, I'm stumped. Ambi, what is it? So it's uh, 18xx games and other train games, actually. Shocked! So- I'm so shocked! <laughs> Um, well, actually, like, the theme makes sense for most of it because you're doing route building, stock holding, and, like, the railroad history. It was a big revolution, and all of this stuff changed. So you are the, um, like, it makes sense with the theme, but I just don't care about the theme. Like, I, when I was a kid, I didn't play with trains. I think even kids who did play with trains probably <laughs> don't care that well, much. Well, there are a lot of people who, I mean, I think, like, there's a section of people who like train games who like trains, and there are a section who don't. So, like, I'm I'm one of the people who don't, but I like the gameplay a lot, and it actually does make sense with the theme, so it works well. But yeah, like, just the theme did not bring me in, and that's why it took me a while to play them because it's just like I'm not that interested in trains, and it might be also because trains here are pretty bad. Because when I went to Japan, the trains were amazing. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, America does not have here, a good train it's, game. It's not fun. I didn't so. actually mean game as in board game. I meant, like, <laughs> train game in the grand sense. But, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Our trains are for freight and commercial use, not for passengers. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. 18xx games and train games is my number one. <laughs> I think this is one of the reasons why I don't ever want to come back to 18xx. Like... Because truthfully, there are some very heavy and very long games that I really like, but all of the heavy, long games that I tend to gravitate towards have a lot of theme. And the Mm -hmm. themes are things that interest me or like Mm -hmm. at least engage me in a more dynamic way. Because I did like playing with you all when I played the 18xx game, but just the theme to me, it puts me to sleep, truthfully. (laughs) There's just nothing there for me to get excited Mm -hmm. about. And I know that there are people who just get excited about the mechanics of a game. And that's totally cool. And I do that occasionally too, but it's just too hard for me to want to come back to it. So, Mm -hmm. which is a bummer. So somebody designed an 18xx game with a really awesome theme. Like we've talked about this in the past, like computer programming or like there's some other things. The internet could work. The internet. Yeah. Right. Like there's things. Somebody's going to do it someday, and I will try that game. All right. My number one will probably not surprise people who've listened to the podcast for a long time, because it's a game I've mentioned a handful of times as one that often surprises people how much I like it, and that is Kingdom Builder. So Kingdom Builder is designed by Donald X. Vaccarino of Dominion fame. And I hate Dominion. I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't use the word hate, but man, Dominion is boring as all get out. And technically, Kingdom Builder should be too. But I really, something about Kingdom Builder grabs me. You're literally just putting little settlements, like little wooden pieces, onto a board covered in a ton of little hexagons. And you're trying to build your settlements in a specific way based on the way the board was laid out and what scoring conditions were drawn for that particular game. I think the variability of the game is something that really draws me in. But then, theoretically, Dominion is variable too, so why don't I like that? I don't know. I can't explain it to you. I just know that Kingdom Builder has a very boring theme. There's practically no theme at all. And for whatever reason, I like it a lot. So it is what it is, I suppose. That is why Kingdom Builder is my number one. 
All right. Well, we would love to hear from you all what games that you really enjoy playing where the theme just isn't there or is really boring or you don't like it. (laughs) Uh, So tweet at us, post in our thread on Board Game Geek about this episode, uh, comment on our Facebook post, wherever you tend to engage with us. Let us know because we would love to hear. And we've honestly probably forgotten some games that we like too. Mm -hmm. So you can remind us of that because you all, honestly, you keep better track of our games than we do it sometimes. (laughs) For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to explore the origins of the word travel in its verb form. The English word travel means to journey and dates back to the late 14th century. That can be traced back to the word travelin, which means to make a journey, but had previously been used to mean to toil or labor. The semantics of the word changing has been attributed to its use to mean go on a difficult journey. In a possibly more metaphorical sense, or might have simply reflected the difficulty of any journey a person would undertake during the Middle Ages. This word replaced the Old English farin, spelled F-A-R-A-N. Although in my research, I couldn't figure out why that change occurred. So to go from farin to travailin, like the, the, the connection wasn't super clear. As some bonus info to make up for my lack of successful research, the word farin appears in other languages, including Catalan and Old Dutch, and in the latter it means to go or sail. Well, wherever your travels may take you, we hope you'll find some games there. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Tsukiyumi Full Moon Down is fully funded and is barreling through stretch goals, so go check it out on Kickstarter before the campaign ends on April 12th. Gray Fox Games, quality games, cleverly crafted. Loving the show? Please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast provider, or become a patron. Patrons get access to unedited episodes, our private Slack channel, and more for as little as $1 a month. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. I really, really, really want some games with good themes. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) But it's a fun game with, uh, what are those pieces called? Polyominoes, okay. (laughs) Polyominoes, right? Yes, polyominoes are what they are called. But it's a fun game with these polyominoes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it's a polyomino. Polly want a cracker? <laughs> okay. Uh, my number five is St. Petersburg. So number Saint- four. Oh, that's, yep, that's, uh, we're going to start that over. <laughs> my number five, part two, electric boogaloo. Oh, gosh. Okay. Board Game Blitz is spra- oh, sponsored. Sponsored. <laughs> Alliteration, alliteration, alliteration. (laughs) Last episode, we asked you to re-theme an asymmetric game filled with woodland creatures for fast-moving hospital employees who read x-rays. What game was that, Ambie? That was Rapid Radiologist Root. We had tons of correct responses mm-hmm. to this one all over the place. BGG, Twitter, email, everywhere. Uh, and we actually, there was um, there was someone who responded with a different word other than rapid 
Yeah, I can't, what was it? I can't remember what it was now, but whatever it was, it was also, we're considering that a correct response too, because it was great. So mm-hmm. you win also. Uh, this week, we are asking you to retheme a game about gem mines for notoriously slow animals who like to be deceptive. Good luck, everyone.